Welcome to Heard at Heritage. Heard at Heritage features cutting-edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement, as well as premier events and programming from the Heritage Foundation here in the heart of Washington, D.C., brought straight to you. Thank you for listening to this Heritage Foundation event. Every day, the Heritage Foundation holds important events with respected and influential leaders and policy experts on today's most important issues. Our events are part of our mission to formulate and promote conservative public policies based on the principles of free enterprise, limited government, individual freedom, traditional American values, and strong national defense. We hope you enjoy the program. Welcome to the Heritage Foundation and our Lewis Lehrman Auditorium. We welcome those who join us on our Heritage.org website. For our guests in-house, we would ask that courtesy to see that mobile devices have been silenced or turned off. And, of course, those watching online are welcome to send questions or comments at any time. Opening our program will be Olivia Enos, who is policy analyst in our Asian Studies Center. She, of course, focuses on human rights and transnational criminal issues. In, 19, in 2014, she co-founded the Council on Asian Affairs, a group for young Asia policy professionals in Washington, D.C. She received her bachelor's degree in government from Patrick Henry College and is pursuing her master's degree in Asian Studies, study, uh, studies excuse me, at Georgetown University. Please join me in welcoming Olivia. Olivia? Good morning. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Heritage Foundation this morning to discuss an issue that is near and dear to my heart, religious persecution in China. I wish that we were meeting under better circumstances, but alas, our meeting comes on the heels of the death of illustrious human rights lawyer and defender of Christians, Li Bai Guang. I, along with my colleague Emily Gao, had the pleasure of meeting Li Bai Guang when he was visiting Washington on his recent trip to attend the National Prayer Breakfast. Just weeks after visiting Heritage and after visiting Washington, Dr. Lee died under unbelievably mysterious circumstances when he went to a, the Chinese military hospital number 81 complaining of minor stomach pains. Dr. Lee was a longtime defender of human rights and a longtime defender of Christians in China, and yet mysteriously, he ended up dying. By all accounts, Dr. Lee was in good health during his visit to Washington, and it seems highly unlikely that he died of a terminal illness, particularly when this is combined with the facts that he was facing death threats, that he was, had been beaten and abused previously, and that his body was cremated before any sort of investigation could be done. Dr. Lee and many other brave men and women in China are fighting for individual rights of people in China to be able to practice their faith. But unfortunately, the space for practicing faith seems to be closing in China, and it seems to be closing as President Xi Jinping continues his consolidation of power. We see this because Sinicization, which is one of the goals of the Chinese government of all religions, has been put in, into place. And we've seen that on October 2017th at the 19th Party Congress, there is now Xi Jinping thought, which was written into the Chinese constitution, and now term limits have been removed 
on President Xi's ability to continue to maintain power. I know we're at the Heritage Foundation, but I wanted to say that there's a groundbreaking report that was published by Freedom House just a few months ago that highlights several key trends in increasing religious persecution in China. First, it noted that the CCP is expanding control over religious leaders and places of worship. Second, it highlighted that authorities are engaging in, quote, thought reform and re-education. Third, penalties for disobeying religious restrictions are becoming harsher, and in cases like Li Baiguang, even deadly. And fourth, Chinese authorities are resorting to economic punishment, commodification, and exploitation of believers of all faith. Some examples of this include torn down crosses. It includes imprisoned pastors, the demolition of the gold lampstand church, making the Bible illegal, and forbidding children under the age of 18 from receiving religious education. But it's not just Christians that are affected. Uyghurs are affected, too. The Chinese government continues to collectivize them, bulldoze their homes, and even invade their privacy by collecting DNA, fingerprints, and other forms of biometric data. Today, we will hear from Li Ezhe, who will tell us about the story of her husband, Zhang Haitong, who is currently sentenced to prison for his defense of Uyghurs. Lee and her son fled to the U.S. seeking freedom, and we're going to hear her story today. Also, Bob has brought along with him, and you can collect these on your way out, journals talking about religious persecution. He can give a little bit more details exactly about what that is. But real people in China are suffering, and we're going to hear firsthand what exactly that's like to practice your faith in China. The Trump administration has communicated its desire to protect and preserve religious freedom for people of all faiths. So it's time for the U.S. and for the international community to call out China for its violations of religious freedom. It's now my pleasure to introduce our speakers. We'll first have testimony from Lee Aija, who will tell us more about her own story. And then we will hear from Doug Robeson. Doug is the chairman of the board of China Aid. He is the president of EXL Petroleum. He is a 1979 graduate from Texas Tech University with a BA degree in business administration, and he received his GD from Texas Tech University School of Law and is licensed by the State Bar of Texas. He, along with David Feeble and Michael Lamanica, uh, formed EXL Petroleum LP in August 2005. It is now my pleasure to welcome our speakers to give their remarks. Thank you. So, uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Li Aijie. My husband is Zhang Haitao. Because he uh, sent uh, 69 um, pieces of uh, WeChat messages and 205 pieces of Twitter's messages. And uh, critical of the Chinese Communist Party. He, my husband, was sentenced to uh, um, the 15 years uh, for the first charge of uh, subversion of state power. 
呃，以及拍摄了新疆乌鲁木齐街头看到的一些警力巡狂巡呃警力呃嗯就是那个警力巡巡控的一些照片十三张，呃，以或或者让他先啊，没事，呃。以及拍摄了新疆乌鲁木齐街头看到的一些警力巡控情况的一些照片，十三张。And uh, then uh, he was uh, uh, charged uh, with the second charge um, because he took thirteen、uh, pictures uh, in the on the street of Urumqi, the capital of Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region, showing the police surveillance effort on the street. 还有通过公开渠道了解到的新疆维稳情况 ，and、um, also some information、uh, from the public source about uh, China's uh, stability maintenance effort。在接受媒体采访的时候，提供给了境外媒体。And because he、uh, revealed uh, this, uh, all this information when he was interviewed by the media。就被以为境外刺探、非法提供情报罪，判处有期徒刑五年。He was、uh, then sentenced to another five years for、uh, spying and stealing uh, uh, secret uh, information uh, for the overseas organizations。两罪合并，判处有期徒刑十九年。So combine these two charges together, my husband was sentenced to nineteen years imprisonment， 并没收个人财产人民币十二万元。And uh, with a、uh, uh, uh, financial penalty of 120,000 yuan, which is about equivalent of 20,000 U.S. dollars. Uh, Zhang Haitao, now detained in Xinjiang Shaya Prison. And right now,、uh, my husband Zhang Haitao is、uh, has been being jailed、um, in Shaya Prison in、uh, West Xinjiang. Uh, this prison is very far away. And、uh, this prison is very, very、uh, remote. It is、uh, in the far end of the Taklamagan,、uh, uh, the Gobi Desert. Uh, very remote. And very desolate. Uh, also known as the place where the Taklamagan was imprisoned. And the, uh, he is uh, imprisoned in the same prison as uh, the famous uh, uh, Chinese. Uh, Human rights lawyer Gao Zhisheng. May I maybe recommend? He's already very obedient enough. Um. 张海涛是二零一五年六月二十六号，他在外面做电信业务的时候，被新疆的国宝带走。And、uh, Zhang Haitao was taken away on June twenty、uh, seventh of two thousand fifteen when he was working、um, outside. Uh, 当时我是不知道他们是什么人，是随后在这个扣押清单上看到了是国宝，就是新疆乌鲁木齐国内安全保卫支队。I didn't、uh, even know uh, who uh, took him away and detained him until later time. In a, uh, on uh, it was written on a confiscation. Uh, uh, property list. It shows he was taken by the Bureau of、uh, Domestic Protection Squad of、uh, Xinjiang of the Urumqi city of the Xinjiang Autonomous、um, Uyghur Autonomous Region. Um, they took Zhang Haitao's key to open the door of the Urumqi's house. The uh, 
secret police even grabbed uh, Zhang Haito's uh, key to our house and broke into our home. And seven of them um, with plain clothes uh, and just uh, um, broke into our house. And they did not show any search warrant or any other ID. And they searched our home thoroughly. And all the uh, bank cards or computers and um, uh, electronic devices like cell phones were all uh, confiscated. And only left us with 800 yuan, which is about $110. I was uh, just uh, three months uh, pregnancy. And it was uh, when the search happened, it was uh, already late night. And then I was even uh, taken to the Zhengya Nanlu uh, uh, police station uh, for further interrogation at the same night. And uh, I was uh, so hungry and uh, uh, sick uh, even throughout. Um, but nobody cared. Until uh, one o'clock early morning, I was uh, still interrogated. And then I was released. And then my, uh, our house was uh, being searched again by the secret police. And again, no search warrant. And no uh, confiscation item list uh, provided. And despite they uh, have uh, confiscated and taken away a lot of uh, uh, materials from our home. And the first trial of Zhang Haitao happened in January 18th, 2016. And on the surface, uh, in the court, um, the debate between the, uh, the defendant and, uh, and um, the... Um, Zhang Haitao's attorney was, uh, were very heated. And um, that was uh, the first, uh, uh, our son was uh, just born uh, for the first month. I mean, it was, he was uh, one month old. It was uh, extremely cold uh, with heavy snow and, and chilly. I brought the, our one-month-old baby just try to let Zhang Haitao to take one look of uh, our son. During the uh, uh, made-known uh, recess time, I was begging the uh, court judge. I told judge, I said, have mercy on us and uh, just uh, let Zhang Haitao to take one look of uh, our son. Um, but it was denied. 
，然后就是张海涛的二审是在二零，呃，那、啊、，sorry， 嗯，有点紧张，不好意思。嗯、um, ，I was a little nervous. I'm sorry for that. 嗯，张海涛的二审是在二零一六年的十一月二十八号在，呃，新疆高院开庭。His uh, Zhang Haito's second trial happened on November twenty-eighth, two thousand sixteen, in the uh, Xinjiang uh, uh, People's Supreme Court. I want to mention first uh, uh, about um, the circumstances when I received the first uh, verdict. Uh, I received the uh, first uh, uh, verdict on uh, on January twenty eighth, January eighteenth of two thousand sixteen. After the trial, uh, it was a very thick um, trial. Verdict paper. I just want to, uh, you know, uh, pull to the uh, last page um, to see the verdict. And I finally saw the verdict. I was totally astonished. I was uh, totally uh, appalled. And uh, really. Um, Sad and, uh, and 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 angry. I just uh, wept uh, immediately, cried out. In the court, right in the court, I I said. Zhang Haito just on the internet said a few words. You just sentenced him? Only because he just uh, spread and say a few words online, and you handed him such a heavy sentence. Do you still have any conscience? And uh, well, how about our little baby son and and uh, and myself in the future? So you are really shameless. Even there is a there should be a bottom line of any shame, and do you have any bottom line? That judge, his name is called Judge Wang Chao. Uh, when the court, the court people came, they looked at him. And many people, excuse me, in the court, walking back and forth, they were also um, astonished. Uh, Wang Chao, the judge, he was pulling me along. And then that uh, judge Wang Chao grabbed me and uh, rushed me away. And he was even telling me, "Oh, you can make appeal. You can make further appeal." This verdict is just so um, uh, so foolish and stupid and uh, you know shameless and beyond uh, human uh, humanity. Because uh, he was first charged, his first uh, um, for the first time, well, he he was charged at, in the beginning was uh, inciting ethnic hatred. 呃，当时他们是把我拉到派出派出所，然后让我签的这个呃，这是一个拘留书。And initially, I was taken to the police station to sign 
this uh, detention notice. And uh, I was not even given uh, one um, paper uh, about that detention. Then the charge uh, was uh, changed to another one. It's uh, picking quarrels, qua picking quarrels uh, and uh, argument uh, with others. Then the third time, they changed the charge to the subversion of state power and uh, spying and uh, stealing national secret to overseas organizations. Is it just a game? Just, uh, you know, you can just change uh, the names instantly. It's uh, like a roller coaster. So we did uh, make appeal. And for the second trial, actually, they delayed three times. So the second trial opened on November 28, 2016. the court building. And Zhang Haitao's lawyer, Liu Zhengqing, was not even able to speak a word with Zhang Haitao. After just 30 minutes in the court, um, just, uh, you know, passed the procedure. And the second verdict was announced. Uh, the appeal was denied, and uh, the original sentence um, was upheld. Then we were forced to go uh, back to our hometown in Henan province from Xinjiang. And uh, we stayed at Zhang uh, Haitao's sisters to, uh, for our living. And, but we uh, could not uh, get any word about which prison Zhang Haitao was transferred from his detention center. And we have made multiple inquiries and phone calls to the detention center and the court, and uh, neither of the uh, government institutions uh, uh, give us any uh, information about uh, his, his uh, prison. So I made a petition to the netizens, uh, asking them to search uh, the whereabouts of my husband. Uh, and finally, we received uh, a paper a notif notification of uh, his prison transfer. Uh, and uh, from that paper, we learned that uh, Zhang Haitao was transferred to Shaya prison from the, his detention center in on December 2nd, uh, 2016. It was an uh, extremely uh, hard, difficult um, uh, uh, way for us to uh, visit the prison.
呃，我在国内的时候只就是从他被送入监狱，呃，到目前为止只见过他两次。And before I came to the U.S., um, I was only allowed to visit him twice. 他们总是以各种理由和借口不让我们回见。And the authorities just make uh all kinds of excuses to prevent uh our family to meet with him. 呃，这两次得到的机会还是。呃，就是国际媒体对我们的不断的关注和报道下才得才得来的机会。These two opportunities were granted under um as a result of the international pressure. 嗯，呃，就是我来到美国之后，嗯，海涛的姐姐也给他们上下监狱打过很多次电话。After I escaped to the U.S., uh, Hatao's sister made a, a number of phone calls to the uh, Shaya prison. And nobody pick up the phone call. Uh, maybe it's because I spent these past few days in the White House. And yesterday, I learned the um. Uh, prison told the family uh, they can arrange a visit on um, the April 26th of this month. I want to thank the, uh, the attention by the uh, U.S. Congress and the uh, American government. Uh, my husband was in prison just because he was telling the truth. And his criticism of the CCP was, you know, was just based on the facts. And uh, how could they do this if he doesn't love his country? And he was uh, just uh, helping these petitioners and uh, provide a voice you know, for the human rights defenders. And seek justice and equality. Um, 如果他不是一个有良知和有正义感的人，他会这样做吗 ？And uh, if he does not have, uh, you know, um, conscience or you know the sense of justice, um, what, uh, how could he do this? 他为民主、自由、人权而发生抗争。And he just, uh, you know, fight uh, for democracy and uh, and freedom and human rights. 正如他信中给我写的。And like uh, uh, one letter he wrote to me from his prison. So it has become a, a critical component of my life um, to fight and, and call out for uh, freedom, democracy, and freedom, uh, and human rights.
he was just exercising a basic a fundamental rights as a citizen of China. I just want to, you know, ask uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, all of you. Zhang Haitao, his city is where? And where can you find any crime of Zhang Haitao? He. 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 And he was uh, tortured um, and abused so severely. And tried to make him confess his crime, so called. Um, uh, he was uh, pulled and uh, to an uh, undisclosed location, uh, without any surveillance uh, or without any supervision, being hanged there and being beaten, chained. <coughs> uh, uh, with the heavy shackles and the chains. For over 20 days, he was deprived of sleep. If he was sleepy, then he was burned, his head was burned, burnt, they used fire. And he was assigned with the drunkard just to watch him to not to sleep. 嗯，然后就是固定在一个就是瓷砖大小那么小的一个位置，不让动。And he, he was uh chained um uh in a in a small uh place um like the size of a a piece of tile, and uh, he cannot move. 嗯，然后就是，呃，还不让放风。And uh, he was not allowed to have uh, any time for fresh air from his solitary confinement. 在里面就是吃一个馍馍，就是可以吃两个馍馍就要打报告。And uh, he was only allowed to eat uh, one piece of uh, steam uh, bomb, and uh, if he has to get a special uh, authorization and make an application to get the second, uh, uh, you know, steam bomb uh, for his food. 嗯，还不让洗澡这些。And uh, no, uh, not no right to take a, a shower. 嗯，我当时就是张海涛被就是这些酷刑、刑讯逼供和酷刑虐待的时候，我接受了美国之音的采访。呃，当时就是啊、uh, ，when um Zhang Haitao was being tortured um and uh, abused, um I was receiving an interview by Voice of America. 嗯，他们对就是不断敲我家的门来威胁我。And um, I, I my door was being knocked by the secret police repeatedly. 然后。Is Christian still not here? No, no. Maybe in a couple more minutes, and then we have to switch to. Okay. 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 So the second time when I uh, met with him at his prison, he was put in a consolatory, uh, uh, um, uh, solitary confinement and uh, not allowed to have any uh, fresh air. And being forced to have a, a non-stop political studies. And uh, we are not allowed to make a further appeal because we need author. Uh, uh, Authorization 
by the prison um, uh, management authorities. I have uh, 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 cried and wept uh, uh, too long for the suffering of my husband. I have uh, shed uh, uh, too much blood in my heart. He's a purely uh, innocent man. For what he was rid of uh, freedom, being tortured and uh, like this way. I just uh, want to uh, continue to speak up for my husband. I have to take care of our young baby boy. And after my boy was born, uh, the you know uh, for three months, um, and um, there's no milk um, anymore uh, from me to our boy. Just because I expose all this darkness and mistreatment of my husband. October the 9th, 2017, when I returned to my own, by all my parents' home. Uh, and ask me uh, to uh, marry uh, other person. Uh, I just resolutely uh, rejected. And my family member just beat me almost to death violently. And my own brother uh, at the time almost choked me. Uh, I could not breathe. I just, uh, the only thing I cried out is, Jesus saved me, saves me, save me. My brother and my sister uh, are the ones here and loves me the most in the ordinary time. Why did they uh, engage this uh, such a brutal way to, uh, to toward me. Because they could not bear any uh, uh, more the, the kind of a threat and torture, I mean, the pressure by the authorities. They couldn't make a report um, to the authorities if they, don't, uh, they didn't do this to me. During that time, uh, the uh, police car went to our house twice. Thank God for the mercy of, uh, uh, to me and uh, our son. With the help of uh, Pastor Bob Fu and China Aid, uh, and uh, also the Trump administration, uh, we were uh, rescued into the U.S. and have freedom.
And just use this opportunity to thank all of you. And uh, in China, actually, these kind of cases, uh, instances, uh, happen to a um, uh, number of others. Like, uh, you know, lawyer Wang Quanzhang, who had been uh, uh, detained and uh, for over 1,000 days. No trial, no uh, 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 verdict, and uh, no freedom. And of course, uh, human rights lawyer Gao Zhisheng has been missing again for another eight months. Of course, Dr. Wang Bingzhang, who's uh, serving life sentence. And uh, Pastor Cao Sanqiang, uh, Zhang Cao, was sentenced to seven years imprisonment recently. And another one, Mr. Huang Xiaoming, who is still also missing for simply advocating and speaking up for the mistreatment of my husband, Zhang Haitao. And uh, Miss Li Yufeng, who is uh, also being detained for a long time, still for, for because of her freedom and speaking up for freedom. And uh, of course, another human rights defender, uh, Tu Fu, or, 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 or his name is Wu Gan. And, uh, and Mr. Dong Guangping, and uh, lawyer Yu Wensheng. So the list is uh, too long uh, for me to finish. I, um, uh, of course, been uh, weeping and, and uh, you know, crying for my husband. I also have been crying out for those uh, who have lost their freedom uh, in the uh, mainland China. And uh, who, who and uh, for what their freedom was taken away? I'm just a housewife. I just uh, do not have the gift of expressing uh, eloquently. I just have no other way but to stand up and speak up for the truth. I just uh, call out uh, and ask uh, President uh, Trump and the international community to uh, care, um, pay more attention and care about uh, the human rights condition in China. And, uh, and uh, help free my husband, Zhang Haitao. Um, so that we can have a family reunion. In the end. And I need my husband and our son need his father. Thank you very much. Your remarks to about 10 minutes, so we have time to do Q&A. Sure, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll keep my remarks short. My name is Doug Robison. I'm chairman of China Aid. Um, <clears throat> I've been working with, with Bob Fu in China Aid since 2004. Uh, first trip into China was able to visit with Levi Wong uh, as I was visiting with different attorneys who were, who were prosecuting civil rights, human rights cases throughout China. Levi Wong, of course, was forefront among those. Uh, met with Levi Wong again last year, and unfortunately, he's not with us anymore, and that is not 
the uh, unfortunately that's the, that's the usual situation. Most of the folks uh, that I had met with early on, uh, different attorneys and so forth that would come into the states uh, to testify, many of those people are not around anymore or in prison. The level of persecution that is going on in China has escalated rapidly. Uh, just in the short time that I've been working uh, since 2004, it's self-evident. Uh, there was a dramatic increase of persecution beginning in 2008. Um, <clears throat> and uh, to further accelerate it, February 1st, effective February 1st, China instituted the religious affairs regu regulations. I have an oil and gas exploration and production company in Texas. Uh, we, we drill for oil and gas. Um, we're a very heavily regulated industry. Uh, I have uh, um, even been to uh, D.C. on the behest of the Bush White House to, to deal with some proposed regulations, have, have uh, fought different regulatory eff efforts. I understand that the power to regulate is the power to destroy. Uh, and, and the concern is with the regulations that have been enacted February 1st, uh, we, are, we have only seen the tip of the iceberg uh, that is going to occur in China in, a, in an attempt to effectively not just regulate but eliminate any form of religious freedom or practice in China except that that meets the means and is convenient to the goals of the CPC. Uh, we have seen that with the destruction of churches. Uh, there's a, a report that's available to you. Uh, China Aid puts out an annual report. There is also available to you uh, specific <clears throat> information regarding different articles regarding <clears throat> the Religious Law Regulation Act that is currently in place. It, it is very comprehensive what the uh, Chinese government has enacted. Every form of religious practice, religious professionals, religious assets, religious meetings, religious sites are all subject to comprehensive control and approval, pre-approval uh, by the Chinese government. The, the regulations are not just limited to, to Christians. Uh, churches and Christian groups, the underground church, even even the three self church, uh, is is now receiving an unprecedented amount of, of persecution, elimination. Um, perhaps some of the most egregious that we're seeing are against the Uyghurs, the Muslim populations in China. Uh, it, re recent reports have been issued anywhere from half a million to a million uh, Uyghurs in the past several months have been detained. Uh, disappeared into what is called study camps, re-education camps. Uh, there are documented cases of forced re-education, forced political education, torture, and even death, uh, rising to somewhere near 10% of the total Uyghur uh, population in China. Uh, <clears throat> and so it's, it is not just a Christian problem, a Uyghur problem, a Falun Gong, Tibetan, whatever the case may be. It's comprehensive. Uh, President Xi, perhaps Emperor Xi would be a proper proper title at this point, uh, has indicated very clearly uh, in, in past statements that, that the intention is to uh, bring all religion into conformity uh, with the um, CPC's view of the world. 
in, in fact, the uh, religious regulation, affairs regulation states uh, that uh, they will increase the level of legal, legification to fit in with socialist society. Uh, and so there is a belief, I, I think, fundamentally, in our country, we, we have in, in our what we might term our sacred documents, the Declaration of Independence, uh, the Constitution of the United States, the Bill of Rights, the companies that such rights are inalienable. They're given. They're given by God. They're not granted by government. And, and the burden of government to take away or limit or prohibit or regulate the practice of those rights, the foremost of which is religious freedom, uh, the, the level, the, the preponderance of evidence against the government's ability to do that is almost overwhelming. Uh, in, unfortunately, in, in China, uh, the assumption is exactly the reverse that all rights, all freedoms, all privileges emanate from the government, and the government may dole those out as they wish or take them back or regulate. And so it's a completely different attitude, although the regulation for religious freedom states in its opening article, in Article 36 of the Chinese Constitution, states that there is freedom of religious belief, uh, that the government cannot compel people to believe or not to believe, uh, we see that in practice that is not the case, and you can certainly draw a distinction between religious belief and religious practice. And so I'd, I would encourage you to pick up this material. Uh, we think with the, with the current U.S.-China relationships, with tariffs, with Taiwan, South China Sea, intellectual property, North Korea, all of the flashpoints that are between our two governments at this current time, our two societies that religious freedom is at the apex of these issues and cannot and should not be divorced uh, as we attempt to work with China and resolve these critical issues between these two very major powers uh, that are there attempting to coexist. I'll, I'll finish my comments and open up for question and answer with you. Thank you. And I want to thank the Heritage Foundation also, excuse me, for not doing that at the beginning for giving us this forum. Uh, for AJ to, to present her case and to provide this information to you. Thank you. Okay, thank you both for, for speaking. I'll go ahead and open it up to question and answer. I'll start by asking the first question so people have a little time to think. Um, <clears throat> from both of your perspectives, I know you both said the Trump administration has really prioritized promotion of religious freedom. What do you think would be the most useful step that either Congress or the administration could take to really help serve uh, people of all faiths in China? Want me to comment? Uh, um, um, so this week uh, we have uh, so far visited um, with a member of Congress, um, including um, the, um, yesterday with uh, uh, Senator Ben Sass and. Um, uh, also, um, a meeting with the acting assistant uh, deputy secretary of state at the EAP, uh, Mrs. Uh, Laura Stone. And of course, uh, we uh, also um, had a meeting with the National Security Council in the White House. Um, I um, feel that compared to the previous um, administration, um, so this administration has already taken some very positive steps 
to address um, this uh, rapid deteriorating situation on religious freedom, human rights um, in China. Um, but I think a lot of work uh, can and should be done uh, to further um, the, uh, the, the, these uh, freedom agendas, um, uh, including, uh, I think, um, as I expressed actually um, in the White House this week um, to the uh, senior official in the, uh, in, the, in the National Security Council, I said, um, uh, that, you know, President Trump, um, the Vice President Pence um, should um, take very concrete steps uh, uh, such as to invite uh, those uh, family of prisoners of conscience from China uh, to the White House and to uh, have a public um, a meeting uh, with them. I think, um, you know, uh, Ms. Li Jie and, uh, you know, lawyer Gao Zhisheng's wife, and um, there are quite a number of uh, these uh, family members, their children, um, uh, are really uh, waiting for such a meeting. I think, uh, of course, you can't solve this problem with one meeting, but I think uh, when the president and vice president to um, take these concrete actions uh, to chose to stand in public um, with uh, those um, uh, these victims, uh, the family prisoners, um, it sent a very strong and a clear signal to the regime, um, you know, that the United States of America is not only care about uh, trade uh, imbalance uh, or tariffs. Uh, these are important issues, but, uh, you know, all these, uh, you know, bilateral relational issues, trade and other issues uh, have a human rights and uh, freedom component. And, um, you know, so like a labor issue. Um, and so that's my concrete, act, you know, um, uh, action uh, suggestion. And, uh, and also I would uh, um, advocate um, to abolish this uh, uh, foolish uh, mechanism uh, for human rights dialogue. And uh, it's uh, already proved uh, this dialogue is useless, toothless and uh, uh, not able to work anything. Actually, China, Chinese regime has adapted and um, is making to their advantage for their propaganda and um, to segregate human rights uh, from other strategic issues, you know, with the uh, trade, education, or economic, and, uh, you know, other, um, even the security issue, um, I think uh, uh, is not helpful. I mean, this, uh, human rights issue again and uh, should be uh, in every uh, uh, bilateral meetings. Uh, so I would uh, urge the Trump administration to include, um, you know, the ambassador, uh, the newly appointed ambassador, Sam Brownback, you know, in this uh, strategic, uh, you know, dialogues with China uh, to uh, make this issue as, a, as a, um, one of the inseparable uh, component. So these are some of the, yeah, my specific. Um, and also, actually, I think uh, we also need to address the threat by China uh, to those individuals, even inside the United States of America. I think we have, you know, seen concrete evidence. China is using Confucius Institute. Over uh, 100 of them are in the United States. They are, you know, as our FBI director raised, uh, said in the public hearing, uh, they are not only uh, 
purely academic institution or exchanges. They are China's security, intel, you know, uh, part of the mechanisms. I mean, these, are, these should be addressed too. And many individuals, including those refugees uh, we have rescued uh, recently, uh, received indirect threat from the Chinese consulate in Houston, and they use phone calls and tell these refugees that uh, you are uh, posing a national security threat to China. You are not welcome to go back to China. And uh, so these things uh, need to be investigated and addressed. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with your point, Bob, that so often there's an unnatural separation between human rights and national interest-based issues. I, I totally agree that they should be better intertwined. But um, I'd like to go. Hi, uh, David Heritage, uh, Heritage, Inst uh, Heritage Foundation, sorry. Um, this is uh, pertaining to the Uyghur population in the Xinjiang province. Um, there's more news about uh, the Xinjiang province being used as a testing ground for facial recognition and D DNA swabs um, by the, the government. And I, my guess, my question is, I mean, there seems to be sort of a vice clamping down on religious freedom, but I was wondering whether this was sort of pushing some of the, the Uyghurs towards um, religious extremism. I know that the Uyghurs uh, generally practice very moderate form of Islam, but I was wondering whether there's kind of a, a, a backlash in this regard. According uh, to uh, a latest uh, uh, Communist Party um, issued document from the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region, uh, in the past couple of days, we have seen uh, there uh, is a, a comprehensive methodical um, uh, 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 campaign uh, directed, uh, I mean, according to the document, uh, it was, uh, it was um, instructed I'm credited uh, directly uh, from President Xi Jinping and uh, concretely um, instructed by the current uh, party secretary Chen Quanguo from Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. It's a five-year plan. I mean, it started just uh, April of this, uh, I mean, this year, just this month. And um, according to this plan, um, the Xinjiang Autonomous Region, every cadre, every you know, civil servant, government, Communist Party official is required and mandated to force themselves to stay in every, you know, uh, household of Uyghur families from two to five days every month. Every month. So every 15 days, the rotation. And uh, the, the tasks of these officials to stay into the Uyghur families including forced study of uh, Mandarin Chinese language. So every month, they have to make sure these uh, Uyghurs have to study at least 500 Chinese characters. And, uh, and, and they are uh, required to, de to, to, to detail like their whereabouts and uh, how their brain, um, their, their like they call mind transformation process is being done. And uh, whether in the, on the cell phone communication, uh, any so-called extremism, or, or even you know Uyghur language, uh, you know kind of uh, religious messages, um, and um, so in this, uh, if, if if they found there is any tendency or something, they immediately sent to this uh, 
uh, what Doug mentioned, study camp, 学习中心, uh, or, or the Mind Transformation Center. It's gulag. I mean, to put it very uh, frankly, it's uh, those Uyghurs we have uh, seen. Um, there's many of them um, were uh, forced to even um, to uh, eat uh, the uh, porks, you know, for those for Muslims to eat porks, and then uh, we have also documented um, in the study camp uh, they are all uh, ha- um, mandated to wear a specially designed earphone, and with 24 hours uh, propaganda uh, from the Communist Party. I mean, it's uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, many went into insanity. I mean, went crazy. You know, you, if you wear this 24 hours a day, you know, I think uh, it doesn't take too, very long uh, to, for you to get crazy. And uh, so um, it's, uh, it's happening right now. Uh, the uh, video, I mean, the face recognition system, yes, Xinjiang perhaps the, really the most uh, uh, monitored and, clo- you know, um, they called it means uh, every inch is covered. Uh, campaign and um, um, the, the, this uh, system is already applied to the religious uh, uh, freedom uh, arena, uh, like uh, we already seen, and the Wall Street Journal also documented in uh, such as in Zhejiang Province. It's called the Jerusalem of China, where you know two thousand crosses of the church building was being uh, forcefully burnt, demolished, and uh, even those uh, pastors were sentenced to, you know, 15, uh, 13 years, 10 years imprisonment. And uh, so the, every church is uh, mandated, again, forced to install face recognition system. And uh, every church building in front of the building, they are forced to put a sign said these five, follow, five following groups of uh, people are not allowed to enter into the church building, including children, including students, including civil servants, including military, and um, uh, 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 another yeah, Communist Party member. They actually use the face recognition system, record the image, and then try to purge the Communist Party member who dared into the church. Um, so these are, uh, are really you know, happening. So that's why I think uh, this is... Uh, Right now, it's, uh, it's only getting uh, worse and worse, and it's a crisis, I think. Um, I, I, I personally think it, uh, it, what is, what's happening in Xinjiang to the Uyghur people already constitute an ethnic cleansing. I think uh, it demands an international kind of uh, independent investigation. Thank you. We will take more question and answer um, after Christina gives her remarks. But for now, I just wanted to highlight how incredibly brave it is for Lee Aizhe to come here and to speak today and to thank her for speaking and also to thank Doug. If you could please join me in thanking our panelists. So I'd now like to uh, introduce our final closing speaker, Christina Ariaga, who is the Vice Chairwoman of the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom. For over 20 years, Ariaga has worked on the defense of religious freedom internationally and domestically as advisor to the United States delegation to the United Nations Human Rights Commission and appointee to the U.S. Civil Rights Commission and the executive director of Beckett Law of a U.S.-based public interest law firm that defends the free expression of all religious traditions. While at Beckett, she launched the only religious liberty clinic in the United States at Stanford Law School. 
Ariaga is also a sought-after speaker on religious freedom, on the intersection of religious freedom and women's rights and human rights in Cuba. She has also been the recipient of the 2017 Museum's Free Speech Award. She also received her master's degree from Georgetown Uni University, where she graduated magna cum laude. Please join me now in inviting Christina Ariaga to the stage. Thank you. Thank you for that very kind introduction. Uh, I'm truly humbled to be on the stage with all of you. I've known Bob Fu for many years. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, I never say no to anything Bob Fu asked me if I can, I can do it. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, I open myself to, to a number of asks, but happy, happy to help. Thank you for your service for the people of China. Um, 18 years ago, on May 1st, 2000, USERF issued its very first report. It focused on three countries, the Sudan, Russia, and China. The opening sentence read, Chinese government violations of religious freedom increased markedly during the past year. Regrettably, that sentence is as relevant today as it was 20 years ago. It was not the first time that USERP had taken a definitive stance on human rights violation in China. In fact, the year before, in 1999, it had recommended to the Department of State that China be included in a CPC list, countries of particular concern, for a systemic, ongoing, and egregious human rights violation. China deservedly remains in that list today. Indeed, you have heard this morning about the ongoing worsening situation for everyone in China. The Chinese have doubled down on their repression, stating, cynically, that it's okay to be a person of faith and to practice one's faith as long as one does it the Chinese way or the socialist way. This comes from the Chinese arrogant attitude that our rights come from the state. Therefore, the state can grant them or take them away. Everyone here knows that our rights do not come from the state. They come for something, from something beyond the state. And that is precisely what the Chinese government fears. Just last week, China released a new paper on religion, where it once again reiterated its position on religion and religious believers, stating that everyone must be subordinate to and serve the overall interest of the nation and the Chinese people. Such a statement is as preposterous as it is alarming and outrageous. It underpins Chinese theory of religion and its place. It represents also the government's shameful attempt to cover up for the fact that they basically thumb their nose at the global community they seek to dominate. Just as you have heard this morning, the horrific human rights violations against people of faith continue. For example, and I know you have already heard about many of these cases, but I believe it is my personal responsibility as a user official and as a human rights advocate to repeat these names and give a face to people who are being oppressed in China. Thanks to government policies, the Tibetans and the Uyghur Muslims basically live in a police state. 
they, the state not only bans the practice of religion, but is also suppressing any cultural practice associated with religion. For instance, Tibetans, as you know, cannot study their language or their culture. Same goes with Uyghur Muslims, as Bob mentioned in much more detail today. The faith adherents, all faith adherents in China, are subject to extrajudicial detentions. People are held against their will for months at a time without contact with their families and the outside world under horrible conditions. Christians fare no better, as was mentioned earlier. Just last earlier this year, the Golden Lampstand Church was demolished. And Chinese officials, as Bob mentioned and was mentioned earlier, have taken down crosses, religious iconography from churches and from villages. Regrettably, the Chinese government persecution goes beyond property damage. Authorities routinely harass, threaten, detain, and imprison Christians. Since 1997, we have not heard the whereabouts of Bishop Sein Su Shin. Did I get that right? Spanish is my native language, as you can hear my accent. So <laughs> transporting myself to Chinese pronunciation, it's nearly impossible. So I apologize. Just last month, Bishop was, thank you, was detained in a bold attempt to diminish his authority as an underground priest recognized by the Vatican and not by China. But even those states, those churches recognized by the state suffer greatly, as has also been mentioned. The Chinese government also thinks that it is appropriate to describe certain religious groups as cults. Perhaps no one has suffered as much under this label as the Falun Gong, whose members, also as you know, are subject to psychiatric experimentation, organ harvesting, imprisonment, detention, and disappearance. This started in 1999 when the government set up an extrajudicial security apparatus to eradicate Falun Gong. As if targeting religious adherents, authorities, and practitioners were not enough, the Chinese government also targets anyone who defends people's right to freedom of religion and belief, including lawyers and human rights advocates. It would be very easy to get depressed and give up and be overwhelmed. However, I know, because you're here, that you don't want to do that. And we must continue fighting for human rights in China. Life is short and precious. And we only get one. So I thank you for your devotion for human rights. And I urge you to continue to fight for human rights. It is our duty. USERF has a number of plans in place to continue to fight for human rights in China. For instance, we partner with the Tom Lantus Foundation and Amnesty International on their Defending Freedoms Project to call the attention of the American and the international public to individuals who are in prison. Last year, USERF started its own political prisoner project we call it the Religious Prisoners of Conscience Project. My colleague, Vice Chairwoman Sandra Jolly, has adopted Uyghur Muslim Gulmira Imin, and she will continue to say Gulmira's name 
whenever she advocates for human rights in public. The first Tibetan Buddhist ever to be appointed to the commission, my colleague, Commissioner Tenzing Dorji, has adopted the Panchen Lama and has made the same vow for advocacy. Furthermore, there are, the ways that, there are ways that the US government can help, and some of them were mentioned earlier, but I urge you to continue pushing the US government not to put corporate business and profits ahead of the rights of human rights in China. First, the State Department must continue to designate China as a country of particular concern. Second, the government, does, the government should not allow the children of people in China who are torturing faith observers to come to the United States to go shopping for Christmas in New York. We must be attentive to the people we allow to enter in this country. We should deny visas under the International Religious Freedom Act and the Global Manitsky Act. We should freeze assets under the Global Manitsky Act, and we should continue to add names to the Treasury Department, specially designated nationals list. A lot of businesses in the United States do business with China. We must call their attention to the implications of their actions in other countries. We should also call for the unconditional release of all religious prisoners, including Uyghur, Gomirimim, and the Panchen Lama. And the executive branch should send delegations to China that focus on human rights, are not embarrassed to say the names of those Chinese who are held in prison. It's outrageous when American, Americans go to China and they fail to recognize the human rights institution there because of their business interests. Members of Congress should also continue to adopt prisoners of conscience to call attention to their plight and humanize their situation. As I close, I would like to say that the government of China, for all of its interest in improving its economy and its business affairs around the world, has failed to see that repressing its people, its counter to economic improvement of their situation. We at USERF know that at the intersection of human rights violations and religious freedom violation and economic interests, there is a direct relationship between both. And we must continue to remain, to remember, remind China that it's in those, their self-interest to respect people's consciences. Finally, as a personal, and a personal note, uh, I'm Cuban-American, as I mentioned earlier. The people of Cuba have oft, often suffered greatly also under the communist regime there. And I commit myself to continue to raise these issues in China as my life in this professional world of human rights advocacy continues. Let's remember to tell China, and I thank Heritage Foundation and Misenos particularly for this, let's continue to tell China that we are watching. Thank you. So we're gonna now open it up for Q&A again. Yes, gentleman in the back. Uh, Edwin Mora with Breitbart News. Can you talk about the um, the state of the Christian community in China, whether it's growing given the conditions? And uh, 
whether uh, the, the president of China considers Christians a threat specifically? To everyone. Or? Oh, to everyone. Bob, you want to start? Yeah. Or me? Okay. Well, first of all, and I failed to do this at the beginning, Tina Mufford, who is that beautiful blonde woman on the third row, is our China expert at USERV, and I encourage all of you to talk to her afterwards about the nitty-gritty and the details. Um, a lot of things have happened in the last few months that are very troubling for the future of Christianity in China. There has been the issue between the Vatican and Chinese authorities. That remains, in our view, unresolved. And we do not know exactly what the repercussions will be. But the situation for Christians there is dire. Uh, we are unsure about the numbers. Uh, Tina, do you want to add something to the numbers? We're unsure about the numbers uh, and whether there is a, a decrease or increase. But one thing we know for sure is that the persecution for Christians has doubled um, in, in intensity. Um, I just thank, thank you, Christina. Uh, if you have the uh, report, uh, our annual report shows, um, if uh, um, page thirty-six, the the persecution, the number of persecuted uh, last year, of course, dramatically increased. And uh, according to our documentation, the um, number of people that uh, we uh, documented who are persecuted um, among the just on the Christian alone, last year reached 223,000 compared to these 48,000 of 2016. So that's a dramatic increase. And um, But I think you also want to know a little bit about uh, the growth of uh, you know, uh, Christian population. When the Communist Party took power, it was uh, the number of Christians was estimated about less than one million. Uh, 1949. Um, but now, according to the uh, 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 Purdue University uh, sociologist group um, research, the estimated the, the number of Chinese Christians already reached to over 100 million. And they projected by 2030, the number will reach to at least 224 million. Um, so it is a, a staggering, of course, uh, development. And uh, apparently, the persecution will only help accelerate the growth. And um, the, um, even according to the white paper uh, just uh, Christina mentioned, um, um, is uh, the, uh, those who worship in the government-sanctioned churches had dramatic, dramatically increased. I remember back to 10 years ago when China in, uh, issued its first white paper, actually 1998, so it's uh, 20 years ago. They listed the number of Christians is uh, like 15 some million, but uh, this year they just uh, uh, list their number uh, in the official church is uh, 37 million, uh, 37 or 38 million. So it is a uh, 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 dramatic growth. And uh, under President Xi Jinping's mind, uh, now, in the past uh, three to five years of his first term, you can see that uh, the, he uh, has a, a, a particular animosity against uh, uh, Christianity in particular. And uh, two years ago, there was a state, uh, um, uh, many, Minister of state, Ministry of State Security senior official published an article um, in the uh, China uh, Daily and listing 
five, um, he called five groups posing the most severe national security threat. And the number one group is called underground churches, along with the political dissidents, and petitioners, human rights lawyers. So it's called the new black five uh, categories. Uh, so you can tell um, that the, the, I think they are treating that as a national security threat. And certainly it's a wrong motivation. Hello, my name is Nathaniel. I'm an intern here at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, my question is with regard to the Uyghur population. I was wondering what the response, or if there has been a response from majority Muslim countries in advocating for their religious brethren in China. Not that we know of. Uh, is it okay? Yeah, yeah, my name is Omar, Omar Kanat. I'm the director of the Uyghur Human Rights Project. Unfortunately, there is no reaction, any reaction from Muslim countries. Uh, but recently, some NGOs, Muslim um, uh, NGOs in Muslim countries began to, you know, issue statements about the religious repression in, uh, in Uyghur region. But because of the close relation between the China and Muslim countries, the Muslim countries doesn't want to, add, to uh, take any action. Even we had a talk with the former general secretary of the OIC. So he wanted to even to issue a, uh, a press uh, release, a, uh, issue a statement about the religious repression. The other Muslim countries prevented him from doing so. So it's uh, very unfortunate. Even Uyghur activists, including me, cannot travel to Muslim, many of the Muslim countries. Thank you. Thank you. But of course, the religious repression, they know everything. It is, uh, you know, uh, China is not hiding now that they are repressing the Uyghurs. They are, uh, as Bob uh, Fu, you know, indicated, they are, you know, issuing directives, instructions, how they should deal with these uh, Uyghurs, you know. To, to the uh, regional government, regional party offices, but uh, uh, they are not hiding. So everybody knows it is very well documented. Now, as Mr. Robinson indicated, there are about eight, uh, 800 to 1 million people are in detention centers, including children, elderly, women, men. And uh, as Bob Fu indicated, the, all the men are in uh, detention centers. Now they are putting you know, uh, Han males in their homes, you know. They have to stay with the, you know, females uh, who are alone in their homes, in their houses. So it's an insult, you know. It's an insult to the Uyghur people, to their religion, to their tradition, to their culture. So we are not the culture, the ex uh, enjoying our culture, practicing our culture is banned by the Chinese. Now we cannot, uh, you know, the Uyghur language is banned at, at schools, and we cannot, you know, practice our religion. Even we cannot say salam, which is which we use in greeting each other. So if you say salam, even if we reject to eat pork, or if we reject, if a Uyghur reject to marry, marry a, uh, or reject the offer of Han uh, male Chinese for marriage, it will be considered as a sign of extremism. 
time for one more question. Matthias Pertula from International Christian Concern. Um, my question is kind of uh, multi-layered, I guess. Number one is, what are some of the root causes behind um, the Chinese persecution of Christians and other religious minority groups, other than the fact of, like, ideology, of course, and that? Is it the rise of Christianity, the rise of faith? Is it to do with our interconnectedness as a global community, access to, you know, foreign uh, social media markets, I guess? Is it, like, an access to information? Like, what's causing the backlash from the... Chinese government to increase the level of uh, persecution, imprisonment of Christian and other religious minorities? And of course, uh, the Chinese uh, uh, regime's rationale to target uh, different groups have uh, different em emphases of their reasoning. Uh, for instance, they target the weak part, part of the reason target Uyghurs and, and Tibetans uh, or, you know, they, they were labeled as uh, extremism, uh, you know, separatism or terrorism. So that's their pretext. And uh, they have never, of course, uh, said uh, anything about, you know, religious reason. But that's, you know, uh, certainly an important component. And for uh, Christians and uh, Catholics, um, is uh, I can quote one uh, uh, from one quote uh, that uh, that is very telling why the rationale, why the Communist Party is nervous about, you know, uh, Christianity and uh, why they took the, uh, you know, that cross on the rooftop of the church building. What kind of a threat? And uh, um, so one of the internal uh, Communist Party official document from Wenzhou City, Zhejiang province, we obtained, it said the cadres should uh, know the political significance of the cross and the purpose of this campaign is to contain the overheated growth of Christianity, end the quote. So they certainly are nervous, and um, I think, honestly, they are lack of uh, kind of a ruling confidence in that sense. And uh, the Communist Party publicly challenged, uh, basically, uh, the, the notion uh, basically said, okay, you know, uh, the more Christians, um, there's more kind of uh, uh, people who would not in agreement or loyal to their total, uh, total dictatorship uh, and brutality and brutal rule. I think that's uh, some of the reasoning. May I ask something? Yes, of course. Um, the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom is about to issue its hallmark product, which is an annual report and covering about 30 countries. We highlight conditions in those countries and make strategic recommendations to the Department of State, Congress, and the White House. And one of the issues we find most disturbing, and I think it indirectly has to do with the deterioration of freedom of religion of belief worldwide, is that religious freedom has been regarded by many progressive Western countries as the eccentric uncle of the human rights family. And it has been devalued in the international human rights community and that is a central cause for religious freedom being considered a lesser human right. The United States continues to be a beacon, beacon of freedom. We're the only country in the world that has a body like USER focusing solely on religious freedom. And we must continue to not only advocate for people abroad, but continue to remind our own elected officials 
that religious freedom is a core human right that is related to every other right in the Universal Declaration and to economic prosperity. I think that's a great note to end on. Um, I wanted to thank everyone for joining us here today. And also, if we could just thank our speakers one more time.